Hello and welcome to Epic Healing Transformations. The purpose of this podcast is to create a safe place to heal, transform, and evolve. Your host, Michelle Manning, is the creator of the Quantum Soul Clearing Process. Each week, we'll be bringing you new and innovative ways to heal and transform every area of your life, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially, so you are free to bring your gifts and talents into the world to become the best version of who you are designed to be and to help revolutionize the world. This show will inspire you, lift you, connect you, and give you access to the most cutting-edge healing resources anywhere on the planet. This is the Epic Healing Transformations Podcast. Hi, welcome to Epic Healing Transformations. Today, my guest, I'm so excited to have her. Her name is Abby Rohrer. Let me tell you a little bit about her. I met her when we were both at the New Media Summit a couple of months ago, and I just fell in love with her. She, <laughs> We had this instant connection, and her energy is just so clear and clean and bright, and we had this instant awareness of the money karma. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Abby is a master healer. She's a car and anxiety expert, which is right up my alley. (laughs) She has her own healing technology called the Karma Clearing Code. And she's also a personal and business success coach. She works with business owners and entrepreneurs to free them from money, sales, and success, karma, blocks, and fears. And she teaches people worldwide how to self-heal their anxiety and their karma so that they can achieve their dreams and thrive in business and in life. Her healings quickly clear and free your body and your mind from doubt, tension, fears, painful emotions and negative experiences, and they have empirically been proven to deeply resolve ongoing patterns of past regret, hurt, guilt, shame, you know, the fun ones (laughs) that are standing in your way, keeping you stuck and stopping you from feeling free and getting those positive results you want. She helps with painful emotions, that awful nervous physical sensation, those feelings of I'm just not enough. She helps with mindset challenges that carry you and don't belong to you. That's a huge piece of the puzzle here. And then also hidden energies that cause you lack are just plain bad luck. And then she also helps people find money, success, and business blocks and fears so that you create that absolute money freedom. So Abby, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. We've been talking. <laughs> I cannot wait to share you with my audience. So tell us your story because you've got a huge healing story, an epic healing transformation story. And a lot of healers do, but yours is really big. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, I have a few healing stories. But I think the one that you're talking about is in 1994, I experienced a transformational healing journey from a 27-year compulsive behavior. And from that, a self-help program poured out of me. And back in those years, it took me about 10 years to get that out into the world. And so about 2004, I began working with other compulsive hair pullers. I was a compulsive hair puller for all those years. And, you know, it's very anxiety. Not only does it stem so much from anxiety, but it also creates so much anxiety. So I, I was working with women around the world. You know, a few years later, I was asking for better, faster ways to help my clients and myself to heal. And I was given this healing technology, the energy healing technology of Karma Clearing Code. But my own story You know, I grew up in a kind of a seriously challenging environment, like many people. It was basically verbally and emotionally violent in my family. There were other things going on. My mom had depression and anxiety. 
And my dad was a rageaholic. And so there was a lot of volatility in my family. We were stable in terms of finances for the most part. Mm-hmm. But emotionally, there were always emotional bombs going off. And there were a lot of kids. And so in my family, it was just a volatile environment where you never knew if you're going to step on a landmine and things were going to explode emotionally. I can and relate so, to that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can seriously relate to that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of intense things had happened in my family even before I came on the scene. I was supposed to be kind of the fix-it kid. And so there was a lot of pressure and a lot of things going on. And I became a super anxious kid. By the age of three, my eyes had crossed. At age 10 or 11, I had a moment on the playground with another kid where I felt bullied and I could not speak up for myself. And I just went home and I started to shake uncontrollably. I think for a couple of weeks before they took me to the doctor and put me on phenobarbital for a few months. And that was lovely (laughs) as a kid. Kid, I loved that because <laughs> oh, the, the famous phenobarbital. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> as a kid, I loved that because I didn't have to feel my feelings. Right. right. A little while later, they took me off of it again, and then I discovered that I had to figure out how to resolve, well, manage my own anxiety. Mm-hmm. And my way of managing my anxiety was that I started pulling my hair out. I mean, that's really about control, being able to control at least something in your life, because at least from my personal experience, if, you know, in those landmine years (laughs) when nothing felt stable at home, I developed all kinds of coping mechanisms. And I think what you're saying also is, you know, those feelings create these coping mechanisms that, you know, may not serve us down the road, but it's the best that we know how to do as kids. Absolutely. As kids, you know, we look for something that's readily available and free. Mm -hmm. And so I found what I found and then I got totally caught in it, right? Very addictive. Oh, yeah. And and so it took me many years to get out of that. I had a successful career in sales in the D.C. area. I went through a marriage and throughout all those years, I was still using compulsive hair pulling to cope. Yeah. And the healing journey came up after 15 years of counseling, pretty nonstop trying to heal all this, you know, resolve all this childhood stuff. Right. But it really, it really wasn't touching or resolving really any of it for me. And so at a certain point, the universe kind of, you know, as the universe does. (laughs) (laughs) We'll help this poor little lady. (laughs) Okay, you've you've suffered enough. Let's let's just step in, right? <laughs> well, the universe kind of amped up the volume a little bit for me, yeah. and I got thrown into basically through some marital stuff, and you know, kind of forcing the issue. I got thrown into a healing journey, and I had stopped therapy a few months before, and I got thrown into this inner healing journey. And for months, I really didn't know what was happening. I was just in a very inner place. I had a crisis with my ex-husband. Instead of looking outside myself for answers, I began to turn inward. And I was led internally, intuitively through a series of, I'm going to call them lessons. And it took some months, maybe two or three months before I figured out, oh, 
maybe I'm in the middle of a healing journey here. Maybe I could heal something. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) I love those epiphany moments. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started thinking, well, if I could heal something, what would I heal? And what I really wanted to heal was my marriage. You know, that was like the top thing that was really pushing on me. But after I reflected on that, I realized that didn't seem like something I could heal on my own. And so I made a very conscious choice that if I could heal something, I would heal the compulsive behavior. And within, I'd say within a few weeks to a month after that, I found myself in a moment where I was able to release that compulsive behavior. And I came out the other side in a very deep, quiet, like inner place, very inward, but I was free. You know, I was free on a lot of levels at that point. And after a time, the anxiety began creeping back in, but I didn't need the compulsive behavior anymore. I had reconnected with myself and I had enough of my own self to be able to say, I don't choose that anymore. I don't need that anymore. And I'm not going to fall prey to that anymore. And so that piece was gone. It fell away, but over time, the anxiety came back more and more. But I also, right after this healing journey, a program basically poured out of me, a series of lessons, self-help lessons that very closely approximated the journey I had been led through internally. And I put that program out. It's a program of self-inquiry and lessons. And I put that out, you know, years ago in that marketplace for compulsive hair pullers and other people dealing with compulsive behaviors. After some years of working with people with that program, I was still on the healing path myself, working on my own anxiety. And I began to really start to ask God, ask spirit for better, faster ways to help myself and help other people. And that's when I got what has become the karma clearing code. That is amazing. So a lot of people would not put the subject of karma, which is both positive and negative. And I think a lot of people have a very negative connotation around karma as if, you know, it's a punishment for something. Let's talk about that for a second. And then the anxiety, because I personally see how they go together, but not sure that others do. So let's talk about karma for just a minute and what karma actually is, (laughs) because karma is kind of a big subject. And I think a lot of us here in Western civilizations don't get it as much as more Eastern civilizations. So let's talk about karma for a second. What is karma? Great. Well, my definition is that negative karma are energies that are, I would say, primarily emotional energies, shame, guilt, grief, et cetera, et cetera, that are stuck to our souls that we have not been able to let go of or allow to pass through us from any time before now. So to me, you know, there are laws of the universe, obviously, that we're all subject to. But God is not doing this to us. My opinion is that we have hung on to these energies. We should acknowledge them and they should pass through us. But humans have a hard time doing that. And so there's a lot of stuff that we've held on to and haven't been able to let go of. And in my work, some of those energies register as past life. Mm -hmm. You know, I tend to believe in past lives. I've been shown so many pieces of my own and what other people's past lives. But the thing is that to me, they could be literal past lives or they could be mental constructs that are helping us 
to heal something or free ourselves from something or move beyond something. I totally believe in past lives. I had an experience in my 20s when I was really fascinated with past life regression. And I had gone in to a past life regressionist that I'd found in Salt Lake City and did some hypnosis and had an extremely vivid recall of a lifetime and being conscious of being in my physical body, but also being conscious of what it felt like to be in that other lifetime's body and how different they were. And it was very vivid. And I talk about it in a completely different episode, but it was fascinating to me because, you know, fast forward about four or five months after I'd had that past life regression and I walk into my grandma's house. She lived next door and she was a huge National Geographic fan. And she said, oh, I just got my National Geographic magazine. Check this out. They just found this sister city of Pompeii, Herculania. And I look at the cover and every hair on my body stood straight up because there's the skeleton with the exact jewelry I had been wearing in that past lifetime. And by that time, I'm kind of going, yeah, well, you know, maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. There was no denying because it was so unusual. It's like, my first thought was, oh, shit, I'm not just naked. I'm naked to the bone. (laughs) (laughs) But it was such a confirmation for me that past lives do exist. But that was my personal confirmation. And I agree. You know, there, there are plenty of people who don't believe in that. But anyway, I'm sorry, we digress. So karma, but there's also positive karma. Don't you agree? Yeah, to me, positive karma is the absence of negative karma. (laughs) (laughs) The result of. (laughs) The result of clearing the negative karma to me produces positive karma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said something really fascinating that I kind of want to also talk about and just more clearly define because I see it in the work that I do as well. It's like all these things just kind of stick to the soul and people are like, well, the soul's pure. And I agree, the soul is pure. It's, it's that pure God force energy, that divine spark of divinity that lives in each and every one of us. But when we, as I see it anyway, and the work that you and I do is similar in many ways, but as I see it, you know, we bring other lifetime stuff or other existence or even generational stuff where we've agreed to clear for our generations. And you're nodding, I'm seeing going, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to me, that's the karma piece. And it's based on shame, blame, guilt, fear, you know, those negative lower emotions that just kind of bind us to our stuff because we haven't had any way to release it. And sometimes, you know, we die before it gets done and we zip back into body or, you know, we drag it forward through our generations until there is a technology like what you have to help us release it. And I love that we're living in this time and space in human evolution where there's so many amazing technologies, spiritual technologies specifically that help us get to the core pieces that feed those addictions, that feed those chronic behaviors and thoughts and feelings, you know, that just weigh us down and just create so much pain and suffering in our lives. So I'm sorry, keep going. So the anxiety piece. So the anxiety piece to me, and I would love to hear your view on this as well, though, when you have negative karma or something that's unresolved, to me, that's what produces the anxiety because it feels so awful. We create coping mechanisms to deal with it. Would you agree? Or do you have a different viewpoint about that? I totally agree. I think this karmic stuff is bleeding into our lives all the time. And and we don't really, in general, you know, culturally have a way to understand that or work with it, right? And so the work that you do and the work that I do, we work with those energies. But basically, in my world, they all kind of collect in the nervous system. 
They collect yeah. in the core. And, you know, I really have lived the anxiety thing. And I so often hear people say, well, it's all in your head. In my experience, the anxiety piece is 20% in your head and about 80% for me anyway, in my core, in my body. Yeah. So karma totally contributes to anxiety and those feelings in the nervous system. And then the situations that get generated from the anxiety, right? We make choices all the time, or maybe our anxiety makes choices for us, right? Right? So, you know, so much... Anxiety gets generated by the fact that we are dragging this stuff forward with us and we're unaware, you know, where it's really coming from. I just had a thought also earlier, you know, when you were first talking, you were talking about, you know, this healing crisis or this healing situation that showed up. Don't you think that's also the soul's way of saying, we're going to deal with this. We're going to deal with this now. Time's a ticking. Because, you know, the last couple of years, I went through a major healing. I mean, huge, huge transformation. There isn't anything in my life that's the same as it was two years ago. Not a thing. And the anxiety that showed up was so debilitating at times. I mean, I would wake up at two or three o'clock in the morning, dripping wet and just my heart pounding and the most sick, horrible feeling. And it was like, I don't know if I can continue to do this. I really don't know if I can continue to do this. And, you know, it got so bad at one point, I thought I need to check myself into a mental hospital. (laughs) And I didn't because I knew that they would force medicate me and that would have been worse. (laughs) But so I, I really, you know, I went back into counseling. I got help from a lot of my healer friends. But I also came to realize that those times of such profound anxiety can also be a profound gift because it's forcing us in a way to look at what's really going on. And most of it is not conscious. Most of it is not conscious. Yeah, there were things in my life. I was going through a divorce. I had health issues. I was, you know, there was a whole lot on my plate. Let's just say there was a lot on my plate. And so there was a lot feeding the anxiety, but it was the way, it was the underlying hidden emotional programming, the underlying karma that was triggering the anxiety and the fear that in some way I wasn't going to be okay and I wasn't enough. Can you talk to that a little bit more? I'll do my best. You reminding me that about two years ago, I had my karma clearing code and it was very much geared toward clearing karma. Mm -hmm. And then I hit a place like you're talking about in my own life. I reconnected with an old boyfriend, my high school boyfriend, who found me on LinkedIn. (laughs) And at the beginning, it all looked great, right? Mm -hmm. It all looked like it was going to be great. And then it fell apart. And it wasn't so much that it fell apart, but it fell apart in a certain way in which it triggered my anxiety started to like rise, like all the anxiety that I had never dealt with to date, the deepest layers of the anxiety rose up. And it was so debilitating, like you're talking about. I had never, you know, obviously I suppressed my anxiety for all those years, you know, managed it with the hair pulling, but I hadn't pulled my hair out for years. It's been 25 years. And so when this anxiety rose up and basically took over, I couldn't really function that well, but I had this, you know, I had my karma clearing code. And so eventually what happened is that I learned how to drain the anxious energy out of my nervous system. And a big chunk of that was also working with those karmic energies. Oh, fascinating. And so do you think that 
and you can tell me yes or no, but do you think that maybe part of the reconnection with the old boyfriend was to bring forward that that hadn't been released yet so that you could step into this new place? Absolutely. I think that we, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, that we know this much about what's going on here, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then there's, there are no accidents. Everything we do is by agreement. And I would have fought mightily with myself if I had said that to myself 10 years ago. Like specifically, I had an agreement to go through this with him. But in, you know, here and now, it just looked like a shit it show. didn't look like, right, a shit show. <laughs> shit show. <laughs> right. Let's be clear what it looked like. <laughs> right. Sorry, you. I have a terrible <laughs> time, so I apologize. No, no, no. I'm good with that. I'm totally good with that. But that's, it did. It looked like that. Mm-hmm. And then all this awful stuff started to rise. And, but on a spiritual level... We're all here helping each other out to move through this stuff. It's so hard some days to remember that, right? Or to recognize it. Well, especially when you're in the (laughs) middle of it and you feel like, you know, and I did a lot. I felt like this total victim. And I was. I mean, let's be very honest. I was victimized in a lot of ways. But the gift in it, at least for me, in that whole, you know, last two-year experience was I couldn't step into this greater place of my own spiritual healing technologies and helping more people in that space that I was living because so much of me had been shut down and I didn't know it. So yes, he was in my life to help support me and he did a brilliant job of that, except I gave a huge amount of myself away and the way that it had to end was in such a way that it was so unmistakable because I probably would have stayed because I had given up and given up and given up and given up so much myself, there wasn't much of me left. And you know, it shouldn't have been a huge surprise that I was also in a healing crisis physiologically, because so much of me was missing. It's <laughs> like, oh, wake up. I teach this. What part? <laughs> so there was a little self-judgment. And it was awesome, though. It was such an awesome experience on the other side of it to look back and go, oh, my gosh, what a gift. Ultimately, what a gift. And thank you for all of that craziness. And thank you. And going through the forgiveness work. And I think that's also part of your work is forgiveness too, isn't it? I mean, there's a piece of that in there to allow that other person to move on and to be happy. Because I believe that forgiveness is not condoning bad behavior. It is saying, you know what? We've had this energetic exchange. It doesn't feel good. Here's my line in the sand. I'm giving you your ball of responsibility in this encounter allowing you to go deal with your positive or negative or whatever karma. I'm taking mine and I'm going to be responsible for my interaction in this and deal with the emotions and the feelings and the stuff so that we're both free because I don't want to do this with you again, ever. Or with anybody else, right? With anybody else. else. Yeah, Yeah, betrayal betrayal just sucks. (laughs) Well, right. And the thing about karma is it's what so often karma and trauma generate these repeating patterns. So what happens is we get stuck in these cycles and especially relationship cycles. So clearing the karma can often clear out those crazy, repetitive relationship challenges and other challenges, you know, like money, like all kinds of things that people get trapped in. Speaking of money, I think that these karma pieces, and and this really is the basis of your work as well, is those emotions, those karmic ties 
mess with our money. Ultimately, because money is, it's a symptom. It's a result of the flow in our lives. And if we're stuck financially in some way, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, but if we're stuck financially, there's some karmic something that's blocking that flow, that channel, because abundance is our natural state. And if there's the stuckness, there's an issue. Absolutely. And sometimes the issue is karmic, right? From before, it's always karmic in that it's before, from before here and now. Yeah. Sometimes it's literally past life related, right? And sometimes it's multiple past life related. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and sometimes it's childhood related or lineage related, right? Right. So when somebody comes to you typically for a money healing or a money clearing or, you know, wanting to release some of this anxiety, what is it you generally do with a person? Can you lead me through kind of a step by step? And I know that each person is individual, but yeah. So I work with people in a few different ways. I work with people one on one. I work with them in groups to do the money stuff. And so I'm looking at a whole variety of things when I'm working with somebody intuitively looking at, do they just have a money ceiling? You know, what's going on? Is it just a money ceiling? I'm just going to grab, I had a little list here. Sure. Um, so if they have a money ceiling, I'm going to lift that money ceiling, right? I take a kind of an inventory and you know, we have conversation about what's going on. You know, what's the most money you've ever made in your life? What happened from that point, et cetera. So the first thing I look at are money ceilings. I also look at love ceilings Ooh. because, right? Because money <laughs> and love are connected. They are. So let's say I've worked with a lot of coaches, you know, like business coaches who want to grow their businesses, but they have a hard time, for example, like they're charging too little maybe, or they can't get enough customers or whatever right? Or they right. resist taking sales actions or something like that. So if they have a love ceiling, they might not have a money ceiling, but they might have a love ceiling that limits the number of people that they will work with. Oh, very interesting. Right? So yeah. I always look at the love ceilings also. I look at customer ceilings. I look at sales ceilings. The ceilings are one thing I look at. I'm also looking for, do they have lineage loyalties or you know, so often people have loyalties with the people that are in their lives right now. Right? Talk about lineage loyalties and those other loyalties, because I'm not sure people really understand what that means. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, it's generational, like no women in my lineage ever succeeded to this level. Let's just make it really simple, right? Mm -hmm. No women have ever had a career or have ever succeeded you know, maybe it's about education. Maybe no one in my lineage has ever gone to college. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, you know, someone might hold themselves back from getting further education or from making more money solely because they don't want to be disloyal on some level or outshine mm. their mother or their grandmother or their sister or whatever. Right. Yeah. And it's the same, like, and especially with spouses, this can happen. And it can go both ways. Sometimes a woman, you know, she might be like, have an amazing body of work, but she can't let herself get it out there because she doesn't want to outshine her husband or her partner or her life partner, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And this is, it's not uncommon at all. It's pretty common. I imagine it is. I remember, again, back in my 20s, coming home with a new Lincoln. Well, it was new to me. It was a couple of years old. It was a used Lincoln Versailles. And driving up to my parents' house and so proud of myself, so excited. Both my parents owned Lincolns. And I drive into the driveway and my dad looks at me. And I think it was meant to be a compliment. But he said, how does it feel to have a nicer car than your old man? And I lost that car in a bankruptcy within a year. Wow. Yeah, because I took it as, and it was completely subconscious. But looking back, it was like, oh, uh -uh. you don't ever surpass the old man. You never make your parents look bad. Because what does the Bible say? Honor your mother and father. (laughs) And it's like, oh, man. So yeah, it was fascinating to me, you know, looking back once I really started getting into this work about how those limiters, as unconscious as they are, make decisions or cause us to make decisions and behave in certain ways, that ceiling that you were talking about, we're not going past there, a limiter of some sort. Right. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm always on the lookout for are limiters. And, you know, sometimes in my work, I find a past life piece that has a limiter. It's not even from here, right? right. It's not even from here or from a literal lineage. Wow. So what happens when you find something like that? Because some of the people listening to this are like, wow, what do you do? Because <laughs> how do you work on a past life? Because that just sounds crazy. Yeah. You know, I do a series of clearings and my clearings are silent. Uh-huh. They're statements that I use in my mind or that I teach my students who want to learn how to clear, right? Yeah, right? But it's my work is pretty silent. I'm identifying intuitively and verifying through muscle testing what the issue is, what the next step is to clear out whatever's happening. And then I'm applying healings on the layers that show up. And so usually what I do is I have somebody tune, if at all possible, I have somebody tune into the sensations in their body and identify where that intensity is that's tied to the issue that they raise, right? And then I have them state the intensity level on a scale of one to 10. And then I start to ask spirit, what is the next healing that needs to be applied to this? And so I'm clearing layer by layer. And let's say somebody starts at a nine, a 10 in terms of intensity, I'm clearing until we get to total peace. Mm, I'm on a mission to clear until we get to total peace on that. And so, you know, whether it's anxiety that they're feeling, you know, your body doesn't know what anxiety is. Your body doesn't use the word anxiety. Your body, you know, feels a churning sensation or a tightness or whatever. So I'm talking to my clients about, you know, what the body is experiencing. And we're working off of that so much. And when the nervous system piece clears, the mind clears. Yeah, it does. It does. I know that from my own work. And so one of the sensations, for example, when you begin that clearing and you get to that piece, don't you find that the whole body, I mean, everything, it's like, and it's this ultimate, and it's almost, to me, it feels like a flushing sensation almost. Flushing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it just flushes right out. It just oh, I see. It's just that complete release of yeah. that dissipation. And you can feel that peace and that centeredness and that calm. So I would love to hear your take on this. When we are in the agitation space, 
don't you think that adds to the agitation of the planet? Totally. Okay. And so if we're looking for world peace, isn't it imperative to really find that centeredness, that peacefulness within so that we're not adding to the collective? Yes. And my opinion is that it's imperative that we each focus on our own beings and clear this stuff out because it's unconsciously generating all the chaos that's out there. And also, of course, we're projecting so much of it out of us, right? Yeah. So because we're unconscious so much of what's going on in here or where it came from, it's hard to understand until you start to work with it, right? That it's really hard to understand. But the thing is with karma, that once you have, I'm not a regressionist, I don't go into a lot of story, I go into just enough story when I'm guided to, to, you know, to move to the next clearing. Thing is, when you start to get a sense of your own karma, you realize that we've all done it all and we've all been it all. So right here, right now, I might be squeaky clean, right? I've tried to live my life as best as possible and, you know, try to come into every interaction positively and with with an open heart. But the thing is that we still are unconsciously dragging all this stuff behind us. And when we start to work on the karma, we realize that, oh, I'm not so squeaky clean, maybe, (laughs) right? I did things worse than that person, you know, in some piece of my energy field, you know, that bad stuff or perpetration or transgression exists. And I'm still shaming myself on some energetic level. I'm still shaming myself about it. But unconsciously, I'm pointing my finger and, you know, kind of creating more havoc in the world because of that. Makes sense? Oh, absolutely. And from the soul level, I mean, if in fact past lives exist, and I firmly believe they do, we've all been the best of the best and the worst of the worst. That's right. And (laughs) at some point in our soul's history, and it's this huge cosmic game that we play and we reincarnate, you know, the memory gets wiped to a certain degree, although I think it's still held in the DNA. I think it's still held in the energy field. It's held in our central nervous systems. It's held at that soul level. And the soul comes in specifically to incarnate, to deal with some facet of what hasn't been addressed yet. I think some of us chose more challenging lifetimes than others. But I think we're really at a place in human history, like I said, where there's so many technologies that more and more people are choosing to incarnate because now is this amazing time. Now is the time that we can actually begin to clear out that old karma, to have it released once and for all, and we can move forward. And I really think from that, humanity is beginning this massive evolution. And it's technologies like yours that help us evolve. And I can't wait for that next level of consciousness where we choose to deal with our stuff rather than going to war. We choose to forgive rather than, you know, rather than kill one another or create more karma because I don't want more karma. I don't want any more negative karma. (laughs) I just keep trying to clean it all up. And again, 
I am not perfect. I'm the first to tell you what you see is what you get. I've got a terrible potty mouth. I've got, you know, but I try, you know, I try to be as conscious in my interactions. And honestly, if we could just give each other a pass and say, you know, where is it that you're coming from? Let's consciously talk about this. I think this world would be so much easier for all of us. I totally agree. And I think it's really impossible. You know this from all that anxiety. It's really impossible to know what somebody else is dealing with internally, right? What kind of load they're dealing with? And so there are some things that we need to, once we understand what's going on in here, we can have more compassion for what's going on in somebody else's nervous system, right? Right. Well, and I think as chaotic as these last, well, I was going to say a few months, but let's be clear, it's been the last (laughs) 60 years or more, (laughs) the last human history, the last eon. (laughs) But in the U.S. specifically, you know, since, well, two years ago when the elections really happened, you know, there's just been so much chaos and so much divisiveness. And I think that technologies like yours, you know, these spiritual technologies that release the karma would help us have a better civil discourse, if nothing else. And all of that stuff is up because it's triggering us to look at the shadow, all the stuff that's within us that's going oh, that's just wrong. Oh, that's just whatever your viewpoint is. And, you know, we're not going to get into politics specifically here. But I think the gift, the hidden gift is it's triggering us to look at what's going on within ourselves. Because whatever that trigger is, whatever that discomfort is, is showing us where the wound is, which is the gift, which doesn't feel like a gift at the time, but it's allowing us to begin healing at such a profound soul level so that we can begin that whole evolution. Right. And that's where our real power is, isn't it? Everybody really has the power to heal themselves. I mean, heal themselves emotionally, spiritually, and I believe physically as well. You know, one thing we didn't talk about is I've got another one of those transformation (laughs) stories that maybe we could talk about another time, but I've substantially healed a major physical challenge and it had so much karma embedded in it and other things that I was able to see as I worked on healing it. And it took me years. I'm not saying it was overnight, but. I could see literal physical improvement as I cleared through old karma, old trauma. And the results, you know, when you make shifts like that, the results can show up here and now so quickly. So we didn't talk about that kind of thing. But just for example, I'll give you a money example. Would that be good? Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. I had a client. She was a one-on-one client. I had worked with her for some period of time. And then she learned how to clear her own karma. And as she was working on a relationship thing, and I was guiding her on what to clear on, she was able to clear something that allowed her to skyrocket her sales. Wow. She's a professional salesperson. She sells medical technology. And she had been struggling with her quota and, you know, things were not going well. And in fact, she was really having challenges with a particular prospect who kind of wouldn't give her the time of day. Mm. And immediately after she cleared something that we were both very conscious of, suddenly this woman was willing to talk to her, not only willing to talk to her, but welcomed her. And my client ended up getting a $90,000 sale 
for like the most challenging piece of equipment that her company sells. And not only that, but she had to increase the order because of something to do with, I think it was to a university or hospital, something to do with how their purchase order system worked or their budget worked. They had to add more equipment. So it bumped up the cost of the sale. And my client's boss said, you'll never be able to pull this off. You might as well just forget it. But my client was so peaceful and confident because she had cleared this stuff that it all went through really quickly. It was quite amazing. Within probably within 48 to 72 hours, everything just fell into place. Holy cow. I love hearing stuff like that because it's so true. You get that karma cleared and bam, stuff just happens. It's amazing how quickly things shift. So shift here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shift here and out there as well. As within, so without, as above, so below. (laughs) So, oh gosh, I love that. So I could talk to you forever and ever and ever. I I am definitely going to have to have you back, but (laughs) do you have a free gift for people? Can you tell them a little bit about that? Sure. I would love to offer my free Money Karma Quiz to your audience. You can get that at moneykarmaquiz.com or at my website, which is abbyroher.com. Perfect. And then they can also get a hold of you at abby at abbyroher.com, right? Right. Perfect. 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 Will you come back? Will you come back and play? I would love to play some more. This is just, I have loved this conversation. We could go, like I said, we could go for another two or three hours, but (laughs) I'm not sure anybody would listen. No, (laughs) they would just have to put it on pause and start over. (laughs) I would love to come back. Thanks so much for having me. You know, as healers, we don't often, or as often as we'd like, we don't have these kinds of conversations. We don't. (laughs) You know, and you know, so often. So it's awesome. It's so much fun. It is fun. And I, <laughs> it's one of the reasons that I love doing this podcast because I get to play <laughs> with colleagues and, you know, people who are just like you. I mean, I don't get these conversations as often as I need to. And so, well, that's not true anymore because I'm doing this show. But <laughs> And I love providing a resource directory for anybody who's listening. Because, you know, I may not be a good fit with somebody, but by golly, you probably would be or vice versa. So, right. you know, I just, there are 8 billion people on this planet. <laughs> There's no mm-hmm. way that any one person can handle that many people. And so we need healers. We We need people with the types of technologies that you have to really bring clearing and healing and raise the consciousness of the planet. So thank you for the work that you're doing. I just, I appreciate you. I just love you so much. And thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's been so much fun and I would love to have another conversation with you or or 20. (laughs) I know, know, exactly. All right. Thanks, Abby. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. This has been the Epic Healing Transformations Podcast. Thank you for listening. If this episode has inspired or helped in any way, subscribe and then please rate, review it, and share it with all your loved ones. We appreciate you listening and hope you've had your own Epic Healing Transformation today. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question you'd like her to answer on the air, let us know. Other listeners will appreciate the information too. Be sure to drop Michelle a line and share your thoughts, feelings, and experiences with her at Michelle at epichealingtransformations.com.